beginning of the holiday season with school out and you parents that aren't, well, I guess you've been used to having them home a lot this year, um, but typically this is a time you start losing hair, you know, as you're pulling it out with the kids on, but um, we're, we're glad you're here today, those of you that came out, and uh, we've been in the book of Romans for now some seven or eight weeks, and I listened to John pray, and it's really a special time of the year with Memorial Day. Um, I uh, I always, it's a time of year that I allow myself to go back uh, and remember some folks that are very near and dear. When I was a little boy, uh, little boy, probably Parker's age, not much older, my grandmother Annie uh, Henderson, my dad's mom, used to take me and visit, oh my goodness, I... I it seemed like it was for an eternity, but we would spend a day going from cemetery to cemetery to cemetery. And oddly enough, I'm about to tell my age, it was a time before weed eaters. And so they mowed the cemeteries, but they didn't always trim around the, the gravestones. And my job was to take an old pair, and some of you may still have some, pair of clippers that you did this and two little blades and cut around and so and I'd just go with her from cemetery to cemetery and it's uh, something I still do uh, Linda and I went this week because we knew Mandy and the kids was going to be here for the weekend and we have ever, some folks coming in and I said who's going to carry this on going to pick up this tradition it's a we just think it's a holiday and yeah it starts vacation but really if you allow yourself it's a time of memory and I'm not sad because of the memories I have a lot of great memories of my past with my grandparents and my dad and my mom and but it's a memorial day take time to stop and smell the roses we stopped last week with God will judge according to truth our deeds and the secrets of men and we will pick up in Romans chapter 2, verse 17, and this, this thread runs clear through chapter 3 and verse 20. It's a very long passage, um, but it, it, it speaks of uh, human nature is controlled by sin. And it's long, but I, I think it's worth reading. We may make some comments as we read. In fact, it's... Uh, you can follow along if you want to on your phone, your iPad, uh, if we put it up. it's. But I'm doing it this morning in the ESV because it, it, this passage could be very confusing to some, not understanding the context. And, uh, but I do want to read it because there's, there's just so much in here that I'm not going to take the time to speak about. But if you read it, you'll, you'll get to see it. So let's begin. 
But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? I think the greatest advantage of being a Sunday school teacher, a facilitator, is what you learn yourself by what you're teaching. It, it, it grows you as much as it grows anyone else. And that's what Paul is asking here. He says, while you preach against stealing, do you steal yourself? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. He's speaking to Jews here. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. And we'll talk about this later, but I'm trying to explain it as we go through. Will not his circumcision be regarded as, or uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. For no one who is a Jew is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way, <laughs> to begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God, talking about our Bible. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithless nullify the faithfulness of God? And he answers the question, by no means. Un by no means, let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. But if our righteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way, and he's not taking from this being the inspired word with that being italicized. By no means... 
For then how could God judge the world? But if through my but if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why and why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. No one is righteous. What then? Are we Jews better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, and notice these words in verses 9 through 12. Both Jew and Greeks are under sin, as it is written, None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks after God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. No, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are the ruins and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Make note again of verse 19, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law only becomes the knowledge of sin. The theme of these verses quite a few, and it can be easily or very hard to understand. But the whole theme of this is, is of man's inner being is controlled by sin, and he does this with three points. And I'm going to be very quick this morning. He stated that both Jews and Greeks are under sin as it is written. None is righteous, no, not one. Number one, no one understands. It's our mind. In, in our mind, none understands God's righteousness and his law. Notice, notice that. No one, Jew nor Greek, that's, or Gentile, that's everybody. That's all mankind. That's why the, the theme of this is man, as in general we speak, is controlled by sin. No one understands and is made, when we're measured by God's perfect righteousness, no human being is sinless. No human being is sinless. And that's what he's addressing in this passage. In all these verses, we must 
we, we just read. I mean, as we, we went through it, yeah, it can be somewhat hard to understand, but Paul is simply giving us an x-ray study of the lost sinner, of you and me before salvation from head to toe. He is simply saying in verses 15 through 18, and, and he emphasizes even our speech, he says, the, the throat, the tongue, the lips, the mouth. Um, and and from, he's going through us and talking about our, our, how that our own, within our own being, we are sinners. And there is this direct connection between words and character. Is what he done in those passages. And, and as he lays it out, he even describes to us and he, he substantiates what Christ said in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. He says, For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks, which determines that our heart is full of wickedness. And by saying that, the sinner is dead to, by nature and he does not know the way of peace. We don't understand. Our mind is not in tune with the Savior. And in fact, it does not want to even know the truth. We, 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 we talk about people today and we see all the news and we say, well, how can Christians and, and how can folks that name the name of Christ, uh, you know, speak some of the stuff they do and do some of the things they see and, and, and we think of all that and, and I would have to go and question their salvation just to be quite frank because the sinner by nature does not know the truth they do not want to know the truth and in fact they prefer to believe the lies of Satan it's just that simple the second point that he makes here in that passage after speaking, he says there is none righteous, no, not one. No one understands and no one seeks after God. He's talking about our heart. We don't have a heart that seeks after God because man's heart is controlled by sin. Prior to your salvation, your you, your heart is controlled by sin. We, we talked Wednesday evening about how the Holy Spirit comes in, to, to, comes in. And, you know, the Holy Spirit has been confused by a lot of churches in our lifetime simply by, well, the Holy Spirit is these huge acts of emotion that you see folks that do things in church that, that may be part charismatic or or just an emotional frenzy, and, and I'm not trying to condemn, nor am I, you know, uh, justifying it. But all I'm saying is, is sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit has been made out to be, when in fact, the Holy Spirit is the third part of a triune God that comes to live inside of you. And at that point in time, you have a direct relationship between you and God, when the veil was torn, God came to man through Christ and the cross. And with that said, our heart then has the opportunity with our mind to listen to our inner being, the Holy Spirit, which changes the heart of man. 
That's the transformation of the Christian. And with that said, since no one prior to salvation's their heart is controlled, the sinner is spiritually dead by nature. And no one seeks after God. God's not playing hide-and-seek with us in this, in this dispensation of time. He's not. But we're not seeking after Him. He seeks and draws us. And the fact of the matter is, if you go look, Paul told those in Athens in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, he says, The times of ignorance and God winked at sin, but now commands all men to repent. That's the purpose of the church is to spread the gospel. And, and he's not winking at sin in this day and age. He is out openly through missionaries, through churches, through Christians, through the witness, through the light of the gospel. He is out openly telling man he is a sinner and offering salvation and an opportunity to repent and trust Christ. Mixed in these verses, Paul mentions three sins that is common to all men. He talks about the sin of immorality, which is a sin against others. He talks about the sins of sensuality, which is a sin against self. He talks about the sins of idolatry, which is a sin against God. He covers all three of those areas. Then he more or less asks, are you a hypocrite? He's then speaking to us by that question. He goes back and says, as an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law, do you not, you know, teach yourself? Well, of course we do. But then he asks, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? You say that you must not commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. And that's true of Christians today. What he's bringing out to us and what we, we need to see in it. Yes, we're sinners by nature before Christ. And yes, when we trust Christ, we have forgiveness of sin and a home in heaven. But us as Christians need to show the light of Christ in our life so that others can see. And as he asks, are you a hypocrite? That's, that's the jest of what he is saying there when he says that. And, 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 you know, do you practice what you preach? And if you could get every Christian to ask themselves that question. Do you preach against adultery and yet practice it? Do you rob temples? Those are so big questions that we can just merely go right over and it tends back to last week's message. Are you self-righteous in the fact that you think you're perfect? When in fact you're doing the very things that you stand against and that you talk against? You know, I don't want to go down in history and my legacy that's written on my tombstone say he was against this and this and this and this. 
I want folks to know what I'm for. I'm for Christ. I'm for the cause of Christ. I want people to know that, that, that the thing that's going to change their life is a decision for Christ. Not, not, not quitting all the things that were against. Yeah, I'm against a lot of things. The Bible speaks a lot against sin. But you, you're, you may never find me standing on a street corner with a sign that says I'm against this, 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 and this. If I'm going to stand on a street corner with a sign, it's going to say I'm for the cross of Christ. And I'm for you as a sinner no matter what you're committing. I'm in your court because you're dead in sin. And you don't understand and your heart is wicked and you don't seek after God. And I have a message that God's seeking after you. It's not what I'm against. It's what I'm for. The third thing that he says, he talks about our will. And if we go back and look at those verses, he said no one, no one, no one understands, no one seeks for God and all have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. There's no one that does good, not even one. We've detoured. We, we, we've left the way that we know to be right. He discusses circumcision in this passage. And what, what's all that, you know, but mumbo-jumbo to you maybe? I mean, what, I don't even understand. He's talking about, you know, circumcision. And most of us know what circumcision is. Circumcision was simply a badge of the Mosaic system to those men. And it is similar in baptism is a badge to those that are Christians. It's an outward showing of an inward act. Circumcision was simply something of the heart that was a badge to those that were under the law. And baptism is a badge of the Christian. And what he simply says, it was a mockery if the circumcised Jew didn't keep the law. Well, we know where that can go. It's just the same mockery if a baptized Christian shows no evidence of salvation. People say, well, I can do whatever I want to do. I can get saved and live like hell on Saturday. Yeah, you can, but it's a mockery is what it is. It's, 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 that's in addition to the sin of it. It's still a mockery. And, and it, he discusses this in, in, in fine detail. You know, I, I don't have them on because my, my fingers have been swelling and I can't get them off and they hurt, but I, I wear a wedding ring. Marriage is more than a wedding ring. <laughs> Those of you think, well, I'm married, I got a ring on, you know. If that's all that marriage is to you is a wedding ring, that's a problem. Big problem in your, your marriage. 
And folks that say, well, I, I was baptized. That's your wedding ring. But there's a whole lot more to Christianity than just wearing the badge of baptism. It's attending church. It's giving. Uh, Johnny Smith used to say it takes three to thrive. Church attendance, giving, and attendant, or, uh, and reading your Bible. Those are all true. There's, a, there's responsibilities what Paul is simply trying to put across here. As once a Jew, because they were circumcised as a child, there's living up to the law was their responsibility. And Christians that trust Christ, it's more than fire insurance. It's more than just, I got saved and was baptized, and now I can go about and live my life because I know someday I'm saved and on my way to heaven. You have a responsibility to be a light to the lost world around you. To be a witness to those that are lost and show what Christ has done and means in your life. That's what he's speaking about here. There, is, there was none that do good. No, not one. Our will is in contrast to the Christian life prior to salvation by grace. You see, baptism should stand for something to the Christian. And I just think, wow, if we could see ourselves as how God sees us. And we can teach our young people and even adults that once you trust Christ, this badge of baptism that you start to wear, an outward showing of an inward act, church membership, we could go on and on and on with things that Paul could have, could have used here. He chose to use circumcision because he was speaking to the Jewish church in Rome. Something that they would understand. But we understand what baptism is. We understand what church membership is. And what he is simply saying here is it's a mockery. To call yourself a Christian or to call yourself a Jew, he was saying to them, a circumcised Jew and not keep the law. And it's a mockery for Christianity in this day and age to name the name of Christ and hold up your badge of baptism, church membership, or church affiliation and then say that I disagree or I agree with things that are contrary to this book. And I could put a whole litany of stuff that's in the public Sector right now. Just a litany of names. I'm a Christian. I'm affiliated with this denomination and this church. But this, this, and this is okay when God says this, this, and this is not okay. That's a mockery. And that's what all these verses is identifying with. He then takes us through the vein. And he talks about the tongue of deceit, our lips of poison, a mouth full of cursing, feet that shed blood. 
And then he sums up by saying this, and boy, if it doesn't fit in today's culture, there is no fear of God. God have mercy on the souls of those that make the decisions for this country that say, I'm a Christian, and then identify themselves and, and I could go through a whole litany. Whether it's abortion, homosexuality, anything you want to... That, that's two or three that he named it of sensual. He also talks about adultery. Goes right down a whole litany of list of things in those passages. God have mercy. Because there's no fear of God. The reason that folks can stand and say, I, I'm okay with this, but I'm a Christian. That's no, that's no reverence for God, no reverence for His Word, no reverence for their Christianity whatsoever. It shows, in fact, ignorance that they don't understand and know the Word of God. He picks up in, in 20 about keeping the law. And here's the passage that we all, man, if you could get this to the church across the world. He says, keeping the law and good deeds, you shall not be justified. The latter part of that verse, at the end of our passage, for by works of the law, it it does not get any plainer. For by the works of the law, That's all these, what what is the law? There was 627 of them for the Jews. You could just use the Ten Commandments for us. He says, for by the works of the law, no, no, not some, no, no human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law simply comes the knowledge of sin. Wow. Everybody that believes in a works-based salvation needs to understand the context of that verse. This is not Paul giving Christians a license to sin. He just touched on that. You have a badge of salvation. Those Jews had a badge of of the law living in Judaism. And we Christians have a badge of salvation that we need to live in the world as a light to those in darkness. So he's not talking about a license to sin. He's talking here about salvation is by grace through faith, not by our good deeds. Because there's no heart, there's there's no mind, and there's no thing, nothing in our will that has us seeking and running after God. That's the gist of this whole passage. And he sums it up right there with the consummation of that one verse. There is no way to save ourselves. None that understands, none that seeks after God, none that does good. <laughs> And man, if I quit right there, 
That leaves us in a sad, sad shape. (laughs) And I'm going to quit right there. Because next week comes the good news of the gospel. You've got a long week to think on your none good, none that seeks after God. No, there's a good news that comes in the verses to follow. And it's the gospel of Christ. And he goes from dealing with the unsaved and such deplorable shape we're in that if you trust Christ and you put your faith in him then there is hope not just in this world of living the Christian life and abiding in him but there is hope in eternity because of Jesus let's stand Father God